Here we have uh, Moses' swan song, if you will, his final song as he says goodbye to his people. Um, he has been told, of course, that he cannot enter the promised land himself, but his successor, Joshua, the son of Nun, will, or son of Nun, will go um, and lead the people. Just before this, we have um, this command to be strong and courageous, to be strong and bold to Joshua. Um, as Moses passes the mantle, uh, you know, in the history of, of new movements, which this is of Moses um, and his, God's people in the wilderness, there is that transition of power. It's a delicate time. It's a dangerous time. It's a time where of uncertainty, where a lot of people aren't sure of what's going to happen. Um, even though they hated Moses many times, they complained about him. They dis- disagreed with his opinions and his policies and procedures. Um, You know how it is. They sort of knew what he was up to, and they sort of knew what he was going to say. And um, if you spend enough time with any leader long enough, you kind of know exactly what they're going to say and do in most situations, which gives people a lot of comfort. Um, And so in this transition of power, there is a lot of anxiety in the air. Uh, And so Moses does what... um, what every good leader does, he writes a song and sings it for him. <laughs> you can just imagine, uh, you know, uh, Barack Obama or Donald Trump or Joe Biden someday le- leaving office. And he gets up to the podium and he says, all right, I'm handing it off. Here, here's the keys of the White House. Then he starts breaking it. He gets out a guitar and starts to sing. Um, and that's what Moses does here. And I think this was probably more in keeping with the way people um, acted in those times. Remember, this is a time before recorded music, so any music people are hearing is performed live. It's all live music. People are like, I love live music. I want to go hear some live music. It's like, back then, that's all you had. Literally, um, everybody was a lot more musical Um before the the advent of recorded music. Everybody, even if you weren't that musical, you kind of had to be at some level. Um, people sang together while they worked all throughout human history. Um, you know, try that at your McDonald's job today. See what happens. Um, they're not going to really appreciate the singing. I'm, I'm one of the few people that gets to sing at work. It's really nice. Um, and yet, you know, throughout most of human history, people did understand things through songs. And this epic... Uh, poetry that he recites. I mean, it goes on from chapter 32, all of chapter 32, looks like 43 verses. Um, it's it's a psalm, you know, it's a psalm that um, would have, was, is in keeping with the other psalms of Moses that are recorded in our Psalter. Um, but it recites history. Uh, it talks about uh, who God is, how much God loves us, Uh, These are the things that people need to be reminded of in times of transition. Transitions are really hard. Uh, It's it's almost, you know, I've always wondered, why is it that when I fly in an airplane somewhere, even though I pretty much just sat there the whole time, uh, why am I so exhausted? Well, sometimes it's because you have to wake up early and, you know, pack and all that. But there's a stress in just going on a fairly physically easy plane trip. 
And yet it takes something out of us, that kind of transition, new reality staring us in the face. Um, some good realities and some new ones and some uncertain ones. Um, I think that um, whenever we're in a transition, and most of our lives are transitions to um, new realities, new things that we didn't always expect to encounter, or maybe we did, uh, we have to be, be rem- we need to remember that the God who is with us in the past will be with us in the future. That the God who called Moses um, out of the desert to lead his people will still be there calling us. The God that gave them water from the rock and delivered them from Pharaoh's army will be there in this new reality in the promised land. Um, God is described as a rock here. And you remember the famous incident that happened to Moses that keeps him from going into the promised land. It is that when he was offered the opportunity by God to find water for the people. The people were thirsty. There was no water. And Moses strikes a rock with a stick, with his staff, his, ma- his magic staff. This is the staff that um, transformed. I think this is the same staff, or is that Aaron's staff? Mixing up my staffs here. That transforms into a cobra in front of Pharaoh to show the might of God. And as um, Pharaoh's magician's staffs turn into cobras. And so Moses' staff does that. Um, This is um, the staff that he has carried and raised above his head over the Red Sea. It's parted. Um, This is the staff that he has carried every single day of walking in that wilderness. This is the staff that he has clutched close to him as the people are complaining about him, as they are on the edge of life and death themselves in the desert where there's no food and no water, uh, maybe to protect himself. And it's with this staff that he strikes the rock and water flows out from it. And yet God says to him, because you didn't listen to what I said, um, you didn't speak to the rock, you struck the rock. Um, And even though the water came out of it, you cannot enter the promised land that I'm giving to my people. Um, You can see it, but you cannot go into it. And so Moses goes up on Mount Nebo, which overlooks the land of Israel, Palestine, and looks into it and sees it, the land of Canaan, really technically in that time. And so... um, And yet, in this poem, he calls God a rock. In fact, the translation is almost like, did someone, was someone a big Dwayne Johnson fan that wrote this psalm, or at least translated it from the Hebrew? That verse, uh, verse three or two, he says, or four, the rock, his work is perfect, um, and all his ways are just. Um, And then he says that God will give God's people uh, food and water in the in the wilderness, out in the middle of nowhere. God is compared to an eagle that cares for the chicks in the eagle's nest. Um, this this is, in many ways, feminine imagery for God. Um, perhaps I, I don't have the Hebrew in front of me, and uh, the NRSV translates this in a gender neutral way about the eagle. So it, I guess it could be a a male eagle. I'm not sure, but. Um, but that, to me, is always feminine imagery for God, when God is compared to a mother hen or a mother bird that cares for the little chicks in the nest, hovering over them, spreading its wings, taking them up, carrying them around. Um, this is what God did for God's people. God carried them. God carried them, um, in one account, in Leviticus, God carried his people the way a man carries his son, it says, out of, the, out of Egypt. And so God carries us. Um, 
So I hope maybe you can feel God carrying you today. Uh, that God, I don't know, if maybe lean back in your chair if you have a chair that's, that's sort of uh, got a back to it. And just feel that God is carrying you. That God is like with you. That God's going to support you. God's going to be there for you. And that this community will be there for you. That we will support each other. We will carry each other in, this, in the times of transition and uncertainty. That we will know that we have a rock. God is a rock. And that means that God is solid. Can, that God can carry us all the way through the new, to the new realities. Amen. the exciting feast day of Columba on June 9th. Columba was the abbot of Iona, um, the archdiocesan school at Camp Allen that um, trains priests, deacons, and catechists or lay preachers or other people that teach in the church um, is named for the, the monastery that Iona or Columba founded on the Isle of Iona. I'm not sure if any of you have been to the island of Iona. I've never been there. Um, one of the features of Iona is a cross that you've probably seen in a picture when anything related to Celtic Christianity um, usually has a picture of the Iona ab- monastery ruins with a, a cross with a circle around it, often called the St. Patrick's Cross, but at, at that particular cross is called the St. Martin's Cross. The arms are really short on the cross, which is probably why it, it didn't like fall apart. <laughs> it's sort of structurally sound. The, the arms didn't stretch out too far. Um, I wish I had a picture. Someone will probably come up with a picture and put it on the screen for us. But um, there are many legends about Columba. Um, some of them are true. Um, he, um, most of the data we know from him is from the Venerable Bede, uh, the writer, the monk writer, who records a lot of what we know about this time period. We're talking the 6th century, so 600 years after Jesus was born, um, what most people would call the Dark Ages or the mid- medieval, early medieval period. Um, there aren't knights riding around on horses and stuff like that at this time. There's just a lot of um, people living in forest villages all over Europe. Um, If you were to fly over Europe at this time period, you would not see people. You would not see cities, really. You would not see uh, much. You would see a lot of trees um, and maybe a few fields and things like that. But um, the population had really fallen dramatically from plague, pestilence, um, and just the collapse of the, the Roman Empire. Um, but we know about him, um, Patrick of Ireland, St. Patrick, foretold Columba's birth in a prophecy saying he will be a saint and will be devout. He will be an abbot, which comes from the word for papa or father, the king of royal graces. He will be lasting and forever good. The eternal kingdom be mine and his and be mine by his protection. So he was born in Ireland in 521. And early in life showed scholarly and clerical ability. He entered the monastic life and almost immediately set forth on missionary travels. Even before ordination to the Presbyteriate in 551, 
he had founded monasteries at Derry and Duro. Um, Twelve years after his ordination, Columba and a dozen companions, similar number to Jesus, um, set out for northern Britain, where the Picts, the P-I-C-T-S, Picts, were still generally ignorant of Christianity. Columba was kindly received, allowed to preach, convert, and baptize. He was given possession of the island of Iona, where, according to legend, his tiny boat had washed ashore. There he founded a celebrated monastery which became the center for the conversion of the Picts. From Iona, also his disciples went out to found other monasteries, which in turn became centers of missional activity. Um, This time period was a time where lots of um, what we would call missionaries today went out from the British Isles, from uh, but from mainly from Ireland, out to Europe and, and to the rest of Great Britain. Um, we often don't think of monks as being missionaries, but that's what a lot of them were. Um, Columba made long journeys into the highlands of what is now Scotland, as far as Aberdeen. Hmm, sounds familiar. Um, he often returned to Ireland to attend synods and thus established Iona as a link between the Irish and Pictish, Pictish Christians, For 30 years, he evangelized, studied, wrote, and governed his monastery at Iona. He supervised his monks in their work in the fields and workrooms, in their daily worship and Sunday Eucharist, and in their study and teaching. He died peacefully in 597 while working on a copy of the Psalter. Another daily monk activity is to copy out the prayer books and the Bible and the Psalms. He had put down his pen, rested for a few hours, and at Matins, he was found dead before the altar, a smile on his face. He is quoted by his biographer, Adam Nan, as having said, this day is called in the sacred scriptures a day of rest, and truly to me it will be such, for it is the last of my life, and I shall enter into rest after the fatigues of my labors. So we thank God for Columba, who um, didn't just think about Christianity for himself, but thought of the people that had never heard the story before. And many of us um, come from a spiritual tradition that descends from Columba and his followers um, as Anglicans and as um, it was the Scottish church that, um, Scottish Episcopal church that had a great influence on the American Episcopal church when we were founded after the Revolutionary War. So let us pray. O God, by the preaching of your blessed servant Columba, you cause the light of the gospel to shine in Scotland. Grant, we pray, that having his life and labors in remembrance, we may show our thankfulness to you by following his example of zeal and patience through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen.